This is the City of Refuge, Thomaston, Georgia, Sunday morning podcast. The following is a live recorded sermon by Pastor Jeff Deal. This week a word, one word came to me that sort of stuck around all week long. And so I've I've been uh, wrestling with it and want us to wrestle with it together today and the word is overwhelmed I know that uh, this word is relevant I know it is uh, is going to connect with some people in the room as a matter of fact I think when I said the word a minute ago that (laughs) there were some people in the room that kind of felt it just from hearing me say it overwhelmed And we could go into a deep dive on what that might look like, but I'm not sure that's the best use of our time. I think rather than that, we ought to learn some good ways to deal with it when it happens. So let me just ask you to confirm, because if this is not the case for anybody, then we probably just need to dismiss and and go eat. Has anybody in the room ever felt overwhelmed? Okay, I thought so. So, so we're in a good spot. We're in good company. Um, and I know, and I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up now, because then you know you might think people look at you and wonder, well, what the heck's going on with them? Because you may not come across ordinarily as one of those people that would ever be overwhelmed, right? But I know that there are people in the room right now that are feeling overwhelmed now, at this minute, at this point in their life, and what's going on with them. So, very relevant, very significant. We're not walking this pathway by ourselves. We're talking about it. We're dealing with it. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a therapist. I'm not licensed to do anything except drive vehicles. So, I'm not trying to come from that clinical kind of a standpoint. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert or professional in these areas, but I'll tell you what I am good at and what I'm here to do. What I'm good at is digging into the Word of God to find out what He has to say about it. I'm very good at that. And you don't have to be talented to be good at that. You just have to commit to do it, right? Because anybody can do that. And the second thing is that once I find that, I'm good at proclaiming what I found and how it can help. Now, notice I didn't say that I'm good at always applying it 100% to my own life and it making all the difference it should make because I'm not always great at that. Sometimes I'm good at it. Sometimes I'm not. But that's where I'm coming from. I, I just want to deal with the truth, reality, be fair and honest. And say there are points of, in, of time in my life, and I know there are points of time in your life where that feeling of being overwhelmed happens. Okay? And I want us to, as we do, this is what we do, to do some discovery on how we should handle that. What's the right reaction and what's the wrong reaction? What helps on a long-term basis, on a consistent basis, on a real basis, it's not a facade, it's not superficial, and what doesn't? What are the things that we do that don't help? 
that actually maybe not only don't help, but contribute to the problem. And so it's a paradox because we're doing things we think should help, but rather than help, it's piling on. And we don't even know it in the moment. So where are we going to go? To whose life should we look to figure out how to deal with the rush, the heaviness, the activity, the relationship problems, the financial problems, the stresses that life brings? Where can we go? Who should we look to? I was thinking about David and Solomon. We've run those comparisons. I was thinking about other characters from the Old Testament. Everybody dealt with issues. Everybody dealt with feeling overwhelmed here and there. But I didn't land on anybody specific there, so I jump over into the New Testament, and I'm looking at the Apostle Paul, and I'm looking at John, and I'm looking at Matthew and these different people, and we can learn stuff from them, and it's good to study their lives and their human beings, but I didn't really settle on any one of them. I just simply came, and this may seem way too simplistic for you, but by the time I'm finished running my mouth up here today, maybe you'll uh, get a little bit of why I'm coming from this angle and why I landed on the person of Jesus Christ himself. Something struck me this week, and it's this. I can't find in the Gospels where Jesus was ever in a rush. I can't find it. I cannot find a single instance where Jesus was running to try to get somewhere in a hurry. It's not there. That's why you can't find it. When you look at his life and you examine all the situations he was in, what you discover is, is that he was relaxed. He was comfortable where he was with what was going on around him. Now, there is a time where he became overwhelmed, and we'll deal with that in a few minutes, because that's really the lesson. It's what did Jesus do when he became overwhelmed, but I think we have to back it up, and we have to start with the fact that Jesus was not in a rush. Jesus was never frantic. Jesus was never out of control. Jesus never felt like that there was somewhere else that he had to be so badly that he was willing to sacrifice the opportunity that he was in right now. Are y'all thinking of things you're already validating in your own head if you know anything about the stories of the life of Jesus? You're already thinking of the things that I'm talking about, right? This struck me also that Jesus came to earth as a human being with the assignment, now listen, with the biggest assignment ever placed on a human being in the history of mankind. He had the most important work to do. He had the most significant assignment ever placed on a person as his mission for being here. He only lived on this earth for 33 years. He's got the biggest assignment ever given to a man, 
And he waits 30 years to start. You ever think about that? He waits 30 years to start doing his work. What is he doing for that 30 years? Hanging out with his family, working a job, carrying on relationships, doing business, going to the market, getting his education. You say, what? Jesus had needed an education? Jesus grew up a kid, just like all kids. He sat in the temple getting an education from the elders who were there and giving them an education here and there because he was also God. But don't ever forget that Jesus was fully human. He had to learn. He experienced pain. He went to the bathroom. He had questions. And so the idea that he got an education sometimes puzzles people. And I've heard people say, well, Jesus didn't have to ask for any knowledge because he was God. He had all knowledge. Not while he was here growing up as a kid, he didn't. He sacrificed all of that. He forewent all of that to become a human being and to experience the full realm of the human experience so that he could identify with you and me. If Jesus knew it all and was capable of all, then why does Luke say at the end of chapter 2 that the boy Jesus grew in grace and knowledge? Wouldn't make any sense, right? He, he did life. That's what he did for 30 years. And then he launches at 30 years of age into his public ministry. And who knows the first thing he did when he launched into his ministry. I bet you don't, I bet you don't think of it. He took 40 days off. He starts his job at 30. He's initiated into his job by being baptized. And then he takes the first 40 days on the job off. Goes on a 40-day sabbatical. Walks away from everybody and all his responsibilities and goes out into the desert and spends 40 days fasting, praying, being tempted by the devil, overcoming those temptations, but having no human interaction whatsoever preaching no messages of salvation whatsoever, working no miracles of healing whatsoever, talking about the kingdom to nobody. He was just comfortable in who he was, why he was here, refused to hurry it up. He was at peace. The man was just at peace. I want to ask you a question. Do you think it's possible that we're not experiencing Jesus as fully as we should, any of us? Do you think it's possible that we're not experiencing Jesus as fully as we should? Do you think it's possible that we're not loving people as much as we should? Well, I wonder why that is. Because we are in relationship with Him. 
We know what he says. We know the fullness that's available in the relationship with him. We know the mandate to love people and how deep that is supposed to be. But if we're not there, we have to ask the question, why? What stands in the way? I think if I took a survey and said, who would like to be there in both of those categories, most people would say me. I'd like to be there. So would I. But if, so if I'm not there, why not? Valid question. So let's just take a look at what Jesus did. Okay? Because this will help us go to where we need to go to. This will help us get to the levels that we're after. We ask the question what did he do? Now, I'm not about the WWJD thing. That's not what we're talking about here. I actually didn't like that business because. To me, it's like, what would Jesus do? He'd raise the dead, and I can't do that. You know, what would Jesus do? He'd heal people all over the place, just walk around healing people. You know, he would raise the dead. He would do all kind of miracles. He would calm the storms when they come, and I can't do all that. So it put too much pressure on me, so I kind of let that go. But what I can do is I can look at his life and see how he responded to people, how he handled himself in stressful situations, how he made decisions, how much patience he exercised, how comfortable was he in his own person and in his relationship with his father. So let's look at a few things that Jesus did. First of all, he waited. This was a guy who seemed to really enjoy waiting. Now that was hard for me when I really discovered that truth. Because waiting is difficult for me and I don't enjoy it. If there's something positive, something good, productive that I know is coming my way or is supposed to be coming my way, I don't like to wait for it. I want it, and I want it sooner rather than later. I want to get there. I want to live in that space. I want to be satisfied in it. And I really just don't want to wait for it. But Jesus enjoyed waiting. He liked to sit around. He would be called upon here and there to go places to do things, and he'd say, oh, I'll get there in a minute. You know, I'll be over there in a little while. They came to him and said, one of your close friends is dying. You need to come. You need to heal him. He said, well, I'll be there after a while. And he waits a few days before he actually goes. And by the time he gets there, his friend is dead. So he knew what the capabilities of his father were, so he was comfortable in that. He knew that he did not have to push the issue. He knew that he did not have to add his own ingredients to his father's recipe. His father had it. He knew. He knew his father's capabilities. He knew his father had a perfect plan. He knew that he didn't have to push the issue. He knew he didn't have to make anything happen. Right? He's here doing the Father's will and the Father's work. He relaxed into all of that and said, Not my will, but your will be done. I'm just going to rest in it and I'm going to wait for you to reveal your hand. 
Man, what a great way to live. Jesus was okay with waiting for the Father to accomplish his plans in his time and in his way. What else did Jesus do? Well, it seems like he liked to take naps. I'm in a sweet spot in my life right now because for, I've been married be 35 years this coming February, and for about 30 years, my wife was not okay with me taking naps. She doesn't take naps. So because she doesn't take naps, she doesn't want me taking naps. Right? So if I'd fall asleep in the recliner in the, in the daytime, she'd get mad about it. For the past few years, she's relaxed on that and said, if a nap will help you, take it. As a matter of fact, sometimes she insists that I go take a nap. Get away from me. Go somewhere and sleep a while. Right? Jesus liked to take a nap. So I'm all right with taking a nap. Now, I don't take a nap every day. I don't take a nap most days. But I think it's all right if I just want to relax slow down, let everything sit over there and wait on me for a while and take a nap, right? Just, just be okay with it. Just quit caving into the pressures that keep coming my way because I got plenty of them and you got plenty of them. If you're like me, you'll never look out and be unable to find something that needs to be done. Something always needs to be done. So it's either you continue to be slave to that or you just say, that can wait on me. I'm going to relax for a little bit. There's a violent storm blowing. He's on a boat with his friends. He goes down in the bottom of the boat and takes a nap. Again, it goes right back to he knows his father's capabilities. He knows he's on a mission. He knows his father is not going to sink him to the bottom of that lake and leave him there because then the mission would not be accomplished. He's here for a purpose, and he's okay with laying down and sleeping. And when he is awakened by his friends because they're terrified, he rebukes them and says, what's wrong with your faith? Do you not believe God has a purpose for you? Are you not okay with relaxing here and there? Just be patient. It'll all work out. Jesus was also okay with disappearing. Now this one I love. I've been telling my wife for a couple of weeks now that I'm about to disappear for a couple of days. I'm giving her fair warning. She's going to disappear. You're not going to know where I am. She put that stalker app on all the kids' phones, but I didn't let her put it on mine. I'm going to disappear. i got to get some stuff done on my book, and I have too many distractions, and I'm, I'm, I'm making some progress, but I just need some dedicated time. You know what? That's okay. And you know what? The automatic response from some people is going to be, I know. I can't do that. Maybe you're in a position in life where you can do that, but I can't do that. Let me tell you what you can do. You can do what is a priority for you to do. You say, I don't have time for that. That's a lie. You have time for what you want to have time for. Period. 
You have time for what you want to have time for. Measure it out. Sit down alone with a notebook and start writing down what you do. Journal it out. How do you spend your time? And you'll figure out how much of your time is spent doing stuff that is optional. And if you just chose to not do it, that would free up that time to do something else that may be more important. We create these lives for ourselves and then we complain about what we created. We create situations that we have the power to control and then we complain about what we have the power to control. That makes no sense. <clears throat> Jesus just disappeared. When things got too hectic around him, the crowds were pressing in too much, he just, boom, was gone. I'm out of here. I need some peace and quiet. He liked to take walks. And when he took walks, he took slow walks. No pressure, no hurry. Nobody else is going to put demands on me that's going to dictate how I move and navigate through my life. Another thing he did, which I think is really cool, is he liked to hang out with children. <clears throat> My grandbabies were at the house yesterday, all three of them. And Jason came over. And so what I'm looking at is a day where they didn't get there until around 4 o'clock. So I'm looking at the time from when I get up, up until 4 o'clock when they arrive, because I know when they arrive, that's pretty much going to drive the evening. So what I have on my mind, yard work, animal work, stuff around the property, you know. i got to get stuff done, right, because the kids are coming. Well, Tracy Deal got up with the idea that she wanted me to drive her all over Georgia looking at cars, which I don't even want to buy. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. i got too much to do. She said, well, I really want you to, to go and let's just hang out and let's get lunch. And let's, I'm like, I don't, I, I, that's not what I want to do. I don't, you know, I got this other stuff to do. If I don't do this other stuff now, it's going to be waiting on me later, and then it's, there, more stuff's going to be piled up on it later, and I just don't have time to do that. But she was pretty insistent, and she really wanted to do it. So what, wh where does that leave me? It leaves me in a position where, okay, I've got to put this thing on the balancing scale and say, I can do more yard work, which I do all the time, to keep this place semi-straight. I've got projects on my list that's a mile long, fine. Or I can dedicate a few hours to my wife. Dedicated time where it's just me and her. And we're out and we're riding around and we're enjoying the time together. And we get some lunch together, and we go look at some cars together, and I just, just have to make a decision to relax. There, there's, you know, I'd just about have, rather have a needle stuck in my eyeball than to go car shopping, especially when I don't want to buy a car. But I have to make a decision sometimes that I'm just going to do something because it's right it's good, it's healthy, and it's going to make somebody I love happy. Right? So that's what we did. 
And then we came back, and the kids showed up, and J.C. came over. So you've got Tracy and J.C. They can manage the babies. So then I could be freed up to go do some stuff, right? And they didn't pressure me to do anything. I just made a decision. You know what? I'm just going to make the whole Saturday family day. So I spent the first few hours with my wife. I'm going to spend the last few hours hanging out with these babies, enjoying them. I went and put a few bales of hay on a trailer, hooked it up, gave them hay rides all over the place, and they threw, uh, they threw plums to the pigs, and they, they just had a, a big, fun time, you know? And it was great. And I thought about Jesus, and I added this to my list this morning. He hung out with children because that's therapy. And it requires a decision. Now, here's the Son of God who has a huge job to do, who says, don't bother these kids. I want them here. I want to hang out with them. This is joy. This is therapy. This is fun. So, Jesus was the Son of God. God has called us, me and you, to be his sons and daughters. God is love, and love is patient. You follow that formula? God is our Father. He has called us to be His sons and daughters. God is love, according to the definition in the Scripture. And love, according to 1 Corinthians 13, is the first attribute listed. Patience is the first attribute listed in the description of love. It's patient. How many family problems exist? How many life problems exist because of a lack of patience? And see, patience just, just doesn't just mean that when you're getting a lot of yik-yak in your ear that you don't want to get, that you just put up with it. Patience doesn't just mean that when the kids are acting up in some way they shouldn't be, that you just stay calm and quiet. You don't raise your voice. You don't get angry. You don't thrash them around. It means that, but that's not all it means. Patience means also that you just relax, that you just make a decision for satisfaction in the moment, that you just enjoy because it required patience of me yesterday. And it wasn't a patience that looked like going out with Tracy, riding through car lots, and, and me just being knotted up inside, but choosing to not act on what's inside of me. No. No, it, it, it was a decision to not be knotted up inside. That's patience. To just relax in it. Let it go. So I told you that Jesus did get overwhelmed. He got overwhelmed when he knew the time of his trial and crucifixion was just around the corner. And you know the story, so he's been falsely accused by different ones, and they're trying to get the, the courts to prosecute him. And the court equals the religious system, so it's all one. And he's with his followers, but he knows that the time of his betrayal is coming, and he knows that the time of his arrest is coming. 
And he becomes overwhelmed in this moment with the mission and that he's at the culmination of it because he knows it's going to involve incredible pain, incredible suffering, and torment. So what does he do? Now, this is our lesson. This is our lesson we take away from here because there always has to be a what do I do. There always has to be an answer to that, right, or we've wasted our time. Because we can't just explain that there are problems without talking about what's the solution to the problem. And I found the solution in Jesus' decision when he was overwhelmed. He went to a garden and he poured it out to the Father. He went to a garden. And I, I just fell in love with that this week. I've, I've heard the significance of the garden through the years and heard it preached about talking about the garden of gethsemane and what happened there and i've pictured it in my mind what it might have been like but the reality of jesus choosing to go to a garden to commune with his father and to pour it all out to his father in the last hours of his life became really really significant to me because God is our creator and God is all about nature. And when he created the heavens and the earth and he created mankind, he did so with the idea in mind that there would be perfect harmony between himself and mankind and the rest of natural creation. And when disobedience happened, all that was thrown off balance. So that we've been out of balance ever since that act of disobedience so that God and man have never been in perfect relationship, and God and man and natural creation have never been in a perfect three-way relationship. The earth is groaning. Mankind is suffering because things are out of balance. And I think whether it's go to your backyard or for a walk in the woods or to a literal garden or to a state park or a national park or the mountains or the beach, or wherever it is you have to go to get with God when you need to do so and to just pour it out, all of it, is monumentally important in our lives. You can go to your prayer closet, fine. You can go to your upstairs bedroom, your library, whatever you got, that's fine. But I'm telling you, there is power and getting in creation, getting in nature, and communing with the God who made it all. You and all of it. This is Jesus' answer to being overwhelmed. I'll finish up by referring to Acts chapter 1. Because Jesus is convicted falsely. He is crucified but he is raised from the dead. And this, this truth jumped out at me this week that from the time that Jesus rose from the dead until the time that Jesus ascended to heaven was 40 days. It was 40 days. When he went into the ministry, he spent the first 40 days out there in nature, fasting and praying and overcoming temptation. 
And then he launched into his public ministry. When he rises from the dead, it's 40 days until he ascends to heaven. And it's a 40-day preparation period for his followers. 40 days of showing up and communing with them. 40 days of giving them an opportunity to commune with him. 40 days of intense preparation for what's coming. And then he tells them, he says, go to Jerusalem and you are not to leave there. You are to wait. Just sit and wait. Be okay with that. Now I want you to put yourself in that situation. There's a lot of pressure on these people. There are a lot of stresses. See, the stress didn't end when Jesus was killed. The stress didn't end when word started making its way around that Jesus had risen from the dead. That's when the stress ramped up for the human beings who were involved in the story. Why? Because here they are having been identified, earmarked as followers of His. And He's just been crucified, executed. What's the risk for them? What's the risk for their families? The officials have already started to talk about them. The officials have already started to point fingers at them, to make plans concerning them, and the plans are not good. And especially when the word gets out that he's no longer in the grave. They're like, what are these people going to do? There's going to be a revol revolt. There's going to be rebellion. We've got to squash it. That's pressure. That's stress, but he tells them, I just want you to go to Jerusalem and wait. And if you do what I say, I'm going to give you the power you need. I'm going to give you the voice you need. I'm going to show up in miraculous ways. I'm going to accomplish my will for your life. I'm going to use you to impact other people in ways that you, there's no way you can even understand. I'm going to give you my peace. I'm going to give you my freedom. I'm going to give you the strength that you need day by day. Relax. I'm going to do everything you need. Relax. Stop trying to force things. Just relax. Take it easy. Be at peace. You don't have to respond to everything. You don't have to have an answer for everything. Sometimes it's good to just say nothing. Sometimes it's good to just go hang out in the garden by yourself. Sometimes it's good to go for a long, slow walk. Sometimes it's good to go to the beach for a few days. By yourself, or if you're not by yourself, find a time to get away by yourself while you're there. Sometimes it's good to hang out with a bunch of kids and to not look at it as a stressful situation. To not worry about the messes they're making that you're going to have to clean up when they're gone. Just relax. Let them make noise and don't worry about it. These are decisions, you know. I was a school teacher at one time, and I had some classrooms full of students where I just had to make a decision that I was just going to relax or else I was going to pinch one of them's head off 
right? Just have to make a decision for patience, for calmness. There's too much strife in our hearts and our minds. There's too much strife in our households because it's in our hearts and minds, right? Well, I don't have all the money to pay my bills this month. Well, okay. <laughs> I haven't always had it either. May not always have it next week. Okay. Relax. The Lord's got a plan. And I can promise you this right here. If you do what Jesus did, if you commit yourself fully to the mission, not try to push some agenda, if you rest in Him, all those scriptures that I gave you to choose from last week, those verses, and I sent them out by email so everybody had access to it, all of those are about resting, relaxing, being at peace, choosing calmness over chaos. That's what it's all about. So let's look to close at one of the greatest scriptures, and it was on the list, part of it was, from last week, and it's from Matthew chapter 11. You know it, but I, I decided to put it up here. Do we have that in the message? Can we get that in the message version real quick? That's the one I had on the paper. I just really, the message version of this struck me this week as so beautiful, appropriate, Listen to this. This is Jesus speaking. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion or burned out on anything for that matter? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. <laughs> Have you ever heard? Have you ever heard a more attractive and satisfying promise the unforced rhythms of grace how contradictory is that to the way i live sometimes forcing things pushing things making it happen and jesus says just come walk with me we're just going to take a long slow walk in the same direction we're going to let the Father do His work. We're going to relax in our spirits. We're going to exercise great patience. And here's what's going to happen. The relationship between me and Him is going to be deeper than it's ever been. And my love for people is going to be more full and productive and deep than it's ever been. And that's where I want to get to. So guilty of being frustrated being anxious, grieving the passing of time. Anybody do that? Passing of time and how 
I've wanted this to happen for so long and it hasn't happened and look at all the time that's being wasted. Listen, that's not right to do that. We should relax in the Lord because time is in His hands. In Acts, He also tells His people because the next thing that happens, and this is so human, this is so typical, when Jesus tells them to go to Jerusalem and wait, you know what's their first response? Go read it. Their first response is to ask Him, Lord, is this the time when your kingdom is coming and your, your throne is going to be established in the earth? Is this the time when you're going to overthrow the Romans and set up your kingdom? Right after he said, just be quiet and go somewhere and wait. That's their reaction. You know what his answer is? Shut up. You don't need to worry about that. It's not for you to know the dates and the time. Just relax and do what I'm telling you. Just relax and take a walk with me. Just relax and hang out in the garden. Commune with the Father. Pour everything in your life out before Him. Let go of your control. You're God's kid. He's got you. He's got you. Lord, I still don't know why you took us here. But you did, and <laughs> this has done powerful things for me, and I believe it's done or is doing powerful things for other people in the room, and so I say thank you. I say thank you that your peace is available, and I th say thank you for showing us how to get there. I say thank you for the example of Jesus. Jesus, who, who didn't run, who wasn't rushed, who just relaxed in his mission because he knew it was the mission you gave him. If you give us a mission, you're responsible to resource the mission. If you give us a mission, you'll work out the time around the mission. If we really believe that you created us with purpose, then our responsibility is obedience. Our responsibility is not to make the purpose happen. Our responsibility is to obey you and to relax in that. I thank you for your rest. Your rest is going to come on a few people in this room this coming week like it hasn't come on them for a long time. Your rest. Rest that is sweet. Rest that is pure. Rest that is thorough, way down to the core of who we are. Rest in our bodies, but also rest in our minds. Settle the minds, I pray. As we make decisions for you, settle our minds. Calm the chaos. And I pray that this week, when those things come our way that are going to try to overwhelm, and they will, that these words would come back to us. Holy Spirit would do what you said he would do, and that is to remind us of the things that you said. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs>